you have questions? You need answers. The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by PastorStudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for the Pastor Study. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Today is the fourth installment of four sermons on the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Today we tackle the words, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That's what we go through today. Before we talk about the Holy Spirit, let's take a moment to pray. Father, we do pray you'd send your Holy Spirit now to open our ears, our hearts, open my mouth, and we pray, God, that you would speak to each of us. For, the, for many people, the Holy Spirit is kind of a mysterious subject. Make, make us it clear to us, Father, who your Holy Spirit is. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The words, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's back up a little bit. The Creed teaches the Trinity, that there's one God in three equal and eternal persons, God the Father who made us, God the Son who died for us, God the Holy Spirit who lives within us. There aren't three gods, there's one God in three persons, but each person is the eternal God. A lot of people don't understand Christians believe Jesus is the eternal God with the Father and the Spirit. But today we focus on the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So let's ask the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, I just said it, the Holy Spirit is God. There are verses in the, in the Bible that teach the Holy Spirit is God. Now, if you're a cult, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, you don't believe that. You believe the Holy Spirit is like a force or like the wind. But the Bible teaches you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, you can't grieve the wind. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit talks. It says the Holy Spirit said to the church, well, a force doesn't talk. A person talks. So we talk about the Holy Spirit as one of the three persons of God in the sense that you can grieve him. Uh, he talks. He's a person in that sense. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And the person of the Holy Spirit, the reason the Holy Spirit comes into our lives at baptism is to change us. J.B. Phillips was an English uh, theologian who said, every time we say the words in the creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we mean that we believe there is a living God able and willing to enter human personality and change it. So I believe the Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity who comes to live inside a believer. I believe in the Holy Spirit, next word in the creeds. I believe in the holy, holy Catholic Church. Do You know what the word holy means? It means literally set apart, separate from, different from. So when we talk about the holy Catholic Church, we mean that we Christians, the church, is different from the rest of the sinful world. Now, if you're a skeptic, you might say, what do you mean the holy Christian church? Look at the Crusades. Look at the Inquisition. Look at the religious wars of the 1500s in Europe. Doesn't look holy to me. Well, we have to admit there are dark periods in church history. 
But I would maintain this, warts and all, for the last 2,000 years, nothing can touch being a power for good like the Christian church has been. More hospitals have been founded in Christ's name, more hunger programs feeding the hungry in Christ's name, more uh, you know, uh, schools. And you look at the whole 2,000 years of Christianity, we are the biggest force for good on this planet. I went to Calcutta, India. I saw the sisters of Mother Teresa's group going from person to person, feeding the hungry, picking these people up off the streets. You know what someone told me when I was watching that? Before Mother Teresa and her nuns got to Calcutta, the Hindus just let the dying die in the streets. Why? Because they're getting what they deserve from karma, from a prior bad life. So you let them die. It wasn't until the Christians came along and started picking these people up that some of these people were put back to health. Uh, I know there are wrinkles in church history, but overwhelmingly, nobody has fed more hungry, taught more people to read, taken care of people in hospitals. It's overwhelmingly, and you really can't dispute this, it is a holy Christian church overall. I believe in the holy, next word, Catholic church. I remember years ago, when uh, it used to say in the Lutheran hymnal, I believe in the holy Christian church. But uh, what, back in the 70s, we went back to using the original words of the creed, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And I can remember a woman in my Lutheran church crying because she doesn't want to say those words Catholic. And we tried to explain to her, the word Catholic simply means universal, worldwide. It doesn't necessarily mean just the Roman Catholic Church. Oh, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church means I believe in the universal church all the churches, all the Christians all over the world. I believe in that. And, and let me give you an example of how that works. <clears throat> Have you ever had the experience where you meet someone and they're a Christian and you start talking about Christ and boom, immediately there's a bond, there's a, a, a unity there. That's what the Holy Catholic Universal Church is. I've been the, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. You know what the word church means? Literally, it means the assembly, the gathering of people. So if you go to First Presbyterian Church and the building burns down, First Presbyterian Church still exists because the church is not the bricks, the church is the people. And let's ask this question. Why did Jesus invent the church? He tells us in his last words on earth. He says before he ascends to heaven to the disciples, go ye therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The reason the church exists is to teach what Jesus taught. You know, I will tell you, it's very troubling to me that a lot of churches today do not teach the scriptures, but they're teaching social programs, they're teaching peace and justice. They're t I mean, uh, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> My godson, was attending a very liberal church in Kansas where I don't, I think they preach God is nice, let's be nice to each other, but no doctrine. So I was, when he was about 19 years old, he and I were floating out on the lake in these rubber rafts and I, I, it was just him and I alone. I thought, let's talk to Ben about his soul. And I said, and remember, he went to church every Sunday at this liberal church in Kansas. I said, Ben, uh, do you know where people go when they die? Uh, no, Uncle Tom, I don't. Well, the Bible says they go to heaven or hell. And Ben, do you know how to make sure you go to heaven when you die? Uh, no. Well, 
to explain that we're sinners. Jesus is God, became a man, died on the cross to pay for our sins. And, uh, well, Ben, do you know what the Trinity is? No, Uncle Tom, never heard of the Trinity. I said, well, Ben, do you know about the second coming of Christ, how the world's going to end? I didn't know the world was going to end, Uncle Tom. This kid knew nothing. And you know who I blame? I blame the preacher in that pulpit. Because I've gone to that website and looked at some of the teaching. Look, you know, what troubles me about the ELCA Lutherans and the Episcopalians, a lot of people will know a lot about liberal peace and justice social issues. They don't know what the Trinity is. <laughs> so um, the reason Jesus invented the church was to teach. So if you're going to a church and you're not getting regular teaching on the Trinity, salvation by grace alone, the second coming, if that's never brought up, you want to find a new church. And, and let's ask this about the church. How long will the church last? Will the church last until the second coming? Given the mess the church has become, will there even be a church? In fact, Jesus said, will the Son of Man find faith on earth when he returns? Well, the answer is yes. You can't kill the church. Jesus said to the disciples, the gates of hell cannot prevail against my church. Um, the, uh, the thought I'm thinking of here is, if you think about the Sudan right now, for years now, the government of the Sudan, militant Islamic Sudan, has been trying to destroy the church. They've killed thousands of people. The church is still spreading. I remember years ago talking with an old Lutheran pastor who, whose parents were arrested during Stalin's reign of terror in, in Russia, and Stalin killed millions of Christians. But you know, you can't kill the church. And if you do kill it, it pops up again. Because today, Stalin is dead, and the church is growing in Russia. <laughs> so Jesus said, the gates of hell cannot prevail against my church. The church will last till the end of time. Uh, the next words. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. Now, what does that mean? When I was a kid, I thought it meant you, you believe in taking Holy Communion. That's not what it means. The communion of saints means the fellowship of believers. The word saints in the New Testament is referring almost always to living believers. I'm a saint, you're a saint. It's the living church. So when you say, I believe in the communion of saints, I believe in having fellowship with other believers. I believe I need the church. And it troubles me there are people who think they're Christians, but they never go to church. I, I shared this, I think, uh, on a prior program. Here's a lady who once calls me up. I don't know who she was. Pastor Brock, uh, would, I'd like you to baptize my baby. Oh, Madam, do you go to church? No, no, don't go to church, but I'd like you to baptize my baby. Well, why? Because it's, you know, when, you, when you have a baptism, you promise in the baptismal service to raise your child in the church and to attend ch church with your child. Well, I don't want that, she says. Where does it say in the Bible you have to go to church to be a Christian? I said it says it in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, do not forsake the assembling of your... Well, we had quite a little talk on the phone, and sh she didn't buy it. But listen, I believe in the communion of the saints the fellowship with other believers. In other words, I believe I'm a sinner, I'm weak, I need my Christian brothers and sisters. I need the church to help me go, keep going because without the church, I'll lose my faith. I believe in the communion of saints, the fellowship with other believers. So go to church. If you don't go to church, find a good church. Go every week. And I believe in, next words of the creed, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> I think the central teaching of the whole Christian faith, the reason you're a Christian, the reason I'm a Christian, 
we need the forgiveness of sins. And you know, this forgiveness of sins is hard to believe in because God is so holy and I am so sinful. It's hard for me to believe that God actually forgives my sins. I think that's why it's in the creed. So every week when you say the creed, you say, I know I've got my doubts. I know I'm sinful. I know God's holy. I still believe in the forgiveness of sins because of Christ. Here was a young man whose body was found frozen in a cabin in Alberta, Canada. In a little cabin by himself, his frozen body was found with a letter crumpled in his hand. They opened his hand and they read the letter. Dear Mother, it is so cold here, and I don't know if anyone is coming for my rescue. I've run out of food, but the one thing I keep wondering, Mother, is will God forgive my sins? And that's how he died. <laughs> and I read that and I thought, oh, that's heartbreaking. Listen, you need to go to church. You need to hear the creed every Sunday. You need to say it every Sunday. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And, and I'll tell you, if, if you're not sure your sins are forgiven, can I tell you how to receive the forgiveness of sins? You need to do three things. Number one, you admit your sin. God, I confess I've sinned. Please. And number two, you trust that Christ has died for your sins. God, I believe Jesus has died for this. And then the third thing you do, you believe that God has removed your sins. I, I've said this before, but when I was a guilt-ridden Christian at age 19, I heard a sermon that kind of changed my life. The pastor said, every time you sin, you immediately do three things. Number one, you immediately confess it. God, that was a sin. Number two, you immediately put it under the blood. God, I believe Jesus paid for this sin with his blood. And then he said, number three, you immediately forget about it. God's forgiven you, you forgive yourself, and you move on. I encourage you, if you struggle with whether God forgives your sins, you confess it, you put it under the blood, and then God's forgiven you, forgive yourself, and move on. Next words. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. In other words, our bodies will be raised. Now, um, you remember when Jesus rose from the dead, he still had the nail prints. He said, Thomas, put your finger in my side. He still had the, had the wound. Now, but it was a different body because it could go in and out of rooms without opening the doors. Paul calls that, read 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul talks about we will one day have what's called the spiritual body, but we still believe in the resurrection of the body. It'll have a connection with our old body, uh, but it'll be a new spiritual body. Only the Lord knows how that works, but we do believe in the resurrection of not just the spirit, but of the body. I believe in the resurrection of the body. Next words, and in the life everlasting. That means everyone will live forever. One way or another, you're going to live forever, either in heaven for eternity or in hell for eternity. This is taught by both the Old and New Testament. Listen to Daniel from the Old Testament. Daniel 12. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting shame and contempt. Then in the New Testament, Jesus teaches the same thing. John chapter 5. Do not marvel at this. The hour is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those that have done good to the resurrection of life. Those that have done evil to the resurrection of judgment or damnation. Jesus taught that when everybody will be raised on the last day and then spend eternity in heaven or hell. Now let me tell you what happened this morning. 
there was there's a TV show called American Religious Town Hall. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a moderator with six pastors. They have a Catholic, a Disciples of Christ, a Baptist, an Episcopalian, uh, a Seventh-day Adventist. And the question of the day was, do you have to believe in Jesus to be saved? And all but one of the pastors wimped out and said, no, there are other ways to God. The one who made me maddest, I'm a Lutheran, the one who made me maddest was the Lutheran. Here's an old Lutheran pastor, and there is no hell. <laughs> okay, well then throw those verses out of the Bible. And it was just grievous to me that here's our six pastors, one of them believed there's a heaven and a hell, and you have to believe in Jesus to be saved. It was grievous. Listen, when we say in the Creed, I believe in the life everlasting, that's what the Bible teaches. When you die, you'll spend everlasting life in heaven or in hell. For a believer, though, the words life everlasting is a comfort in the creed. And I, I've been to bedsides, and, and, and when I know the person's a, a dying who is a believer, I say to the person, if the worst happens to you, the best happens to you. And I've said this, I'll just share this, coming to my mind. Here was a lady of our church who was dying in the hospital. And I brought her up at a Wednesday night prayer meeting, and we prayed for her healing. And I, I don't get visions, but I kind of had a vision with my eyes closed of Gertrude standing in this dark, smelly room in front of a closed door. On the other side of the door was this beautiful paradise, but our prayers for her healing were pulling her back into the dark room. And I said to the whole church that night, you know, I told them that vision, and I said, if we knew what was on the other side of that door, we'd let Gertrude go. <laughs> and she did go that week. You know, here's the thought. I, I know we're going to do this. When we get into heaven, we're going to say, why did I scratch and claw to stay down there? <laughs> I believe in the life everlasting. Uh, last words. I believe in the life everlasting. Amen. Do you know what the word amen means? It's a Hebrew word meaning truly or let it be so, Lord. So when you say the, the, the creed, you're saying amen. We're saying this is true. Let it be so, Lord. Let's put it all together. I believe in the Holy Spirit, that he's God. I believe in the holy, it's separate, it's different, Catholic, universal church, the gathering of the assembly of believers. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe I need the Christian church. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Christ has died for me. I know my sins are forgiven by faith in him. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. It is true. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, as long as we've talked so much about the Holy Spirit, you know, the question is, who is the Holy Spirit? What are some really good verses for mm -hmm. people yep. to share? Yeah to explain who the Holy Spirit Good. is. And, and let me just, uh, I'm just going to share these. They can look them up on their own. John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus says, God is spirit. In Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira have lied to God, and they're both knocked down dead. But before they, they're killed, Peter says to them, you have not lied to God, uh, man. You've lied to God. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. So Peter equates the Holy Spirit with God in Acts chapter 5. Mm -hmm. You've got uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17 that teaches the deity of the Holy Spirit. So there are a number of places. Okay. 
we hear the term Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. Is the Holy Ghost another name for the yeah, Holy the, Spirit, the or Holy where did that come from? The word ghost is King James English, 1611, for spirit. So, you know, people think we believe in some spooky thing. No, no. The word spirit and ghost is the same thing. It, ghost is just an ancient term for spirit. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, Pastor Brock, does everyone have the Holy Spirit? No. <laughs> uh, is it, it something it, we're born with no, and we give no, it no. up? No, we're born in sin. We're born children of Adam and Eve. We're born in fallen human nature. Peter says in Acts chapter 2, be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there are other verses too that teach you only, uh, in James Jude chapter 19, it talks about people devoid of the Holy Spirit. So you can be totally devoid, empty of having any, anything to do with the Holy Spirit. Only Christians have the Holy Spirit. No one, it says in 1 Corinthians, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So you can't even believe in Jesus. You can't trust in him unless the Spirit is in there giving you faith. But you have to have all three, though. What do you mean? You need to believe in God the Father, God oh, the yes. Son, and God the That's Holy right. Spirit yes. before you'll even yeah. be considered. I, I would say this. The Holy Spirit creates in me faith in the, Holy, in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can't believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit unless the Spirit is, you know, if I'm, I'm getting this from the book of Acts where it says the Lord opened Lydia's heart to believe the things said by Paul. So Okay, so then explain. Is Spirit-filled the same thing as having the Holy Spirit? You know, I think you can have the Holy Spirit and be a Christian and stuff him. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 and 1, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 1 Corinthians 14, he says, do not quench the Spirit. So you can have the Holy Spirit. And, and how do you quench the Holy Spirit? Paul in that passage, again, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, talks about when we have evil talk, when we're talking bitterly and evilly, we're quenching the Holy Spirit. I don't think the Holy Spirit ever leaves a believer. You always have the Holy Spirit as a believer, but you can quench him. Okay, you just said that. How does one quench the Holy Spirit? By evil talk. Evil talk? Yeah, that it, again, the, the verse on that is 1 Corinthians 14. Bitterness, evil talk in your heart, that'll put a damper on things. Okay, but we're also told not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Yes. Is that different? No, How the, does one grieve the Holy I, the, Spirit? The way you grieve the Holy Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, grieving the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm getting things confused. Grieving the Holy Spirit is Ephesians 4, 29 through 32, where Paul kind of equates the way you grieve the Spirit is by evil talk and by bitterness. Okay. Yeah. So then quenching the Spirit is it, not the same. No, but I would say quenching the Spirit and grieving the Spirit, I don't know what the difference would be. Pretty much the same, I would think. Okay. What is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the one unforgivable sin. And to blaspheme, uh, Jesus was casting a demon out of a boy, and the Pharisees said he casts out demons, but he does it by the power of the devil. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, you've committed the unforgivable sin, because they called the Holy Spirit in him the devil. So you've got to be very careful what you say about the Holy Spirit. Don't call the Holy Spirit the devil. On the other hand, some people are afraid that, oh, I, I think I said something once, I wonder if I blaspheme the Spirit. Well, I think the Reformers were pretty big on this, Luther and Calvin. If you're afraid you've committed the unforgivable sin, you haven't. Because <laughs> your, your heart gets so hard, you don't care. And, and it's not a one-time slip of the tongue. It's what the Pharisees were doing. It's a continual rejection of the Spirit. Some churches teach that if you have the Holy Spirit, you're going to be speaking in tongues. Is this true? Not necessarily. And Paul says, 
again in Corinthians, not all speak in tongues, do they? And the answer is no. We all have different spiritual gifts. We're to seek the spiritual gifts. And if you've never, if you've never prayed, Lord, would you give me the gift of tongues? I'd pray that. But you can also pray, Lord, give me the gift of healing. Give me the gift of wisdom. Give me the gift of, uh, of knowledge. Give me the gift of hospitality. There's like 18 different spiritual gifts. Not everybody gets every gift. Okay. Yeah. You just said that. What are the gifts of the Spirit? I'll uh, see if I can do them. Do uh, wisdom, knowledge, giving, prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, teaching. Um, oh, boy, there's a lot more. Uh, did I say uh, miracles? Um, did I say healing? Uh, and there's a bunch more. <laughs> you know where you look, Jackie? Look at, read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Th th those, those chapters will show them. Not everybody has all of the gifts no, of the Spirit. No, So That's why we need the church. Every, you put the whole church together, all the gifts are manifested. But, you know, you get one or two gifts normally, I think. Okay, so you have to discern what your gift is. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, I, I, you know, I think you can have a gift for a season and then have another gift later. And I, I shouldn't maybe say one or two gifts. Only the Lord... He gives as he, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit gives to each one as he wills. He's the one who determines who gets what. So how do we personally receive the Holy Spirit? Well, you said baptism. Well, yes, Paul, Peter, Peter says in Acts chapter 2, be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Spirit. Jesus said in the Gospels, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I think we, at, again, I don't think the Holy Spirit ever leaves a believer. But in the morning, I ask God, fill me with your spirit. Man, I quench your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. So you ask him. Okay, well, that brings up a good question. How does the Holy, what does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? All right, lots of things. He comforts us. He's called the comforter in the New Testament. And Jesus said, you disciples, they had just denied him. They were cowards. You will receive the Holy Spirit and receive, you will receive the Holy Spirit and power to witness. So when you, Jackie, overcome your nervousness and talk to somebody about Jesus, or I do, that's the Holy Spirit at work. He gives us power to witness. He comforts us. He gives us wisdom. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth. Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin when the Spirit comes. He will, so when you're feeling like you did something wrong, you've got to be careful because sometimes the devil convicts us of false guilt, but often the Spirit will convict us of true guilt. So those are just some of the things. So my last question on the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Does the Holy Spirit give new revelation today when john finished the book of revelation the bible is complete you don't have mary baker eddy or joseph smith from the mormon church coming along adding another book you know uh, beware of adding anything to scripture i think the spirit can talk to us in a dream or talk to us through another christian but as far as writing a new book of the bible like mary baker eddy's science and health in the scriptures or the book of mormon uh-uh no okay yeah well, we want to thank you for being with us. At the end of the program, you're going to see our website, and I invite you to pray for this ministry. We're looking at whether or not we will continue to continue our expansion into five states, not just the metropolitan area. So we'd ask you to look at that and pray for us to make the right decision and see what you can do to help us. We thank you for being with us. We pray God will grant you his richest blessings and until we're together again next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Pastor's Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry?
Our address is The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.